Uh, for anybody that is new, I just want to cover this kind of quickly, uh, talking a little bit about RESA and who we are and what we are. And RESA, we're a 501c6 tax-exempt nonprofit trade association. Now, I know that is a big mouthful, um, and I want to explain kind of why that matters. Um, number one, I don't own RESA. I'm the CEO. I'm a paid employee. Uh, we have staff members, great team members, such as Felicia and Joanna that are with us today. Um, and we have a governmental structure within RESA because we're a trade association. So we have a board of directors, uh, we have state presidents that oversee the different states, and then of course we have local chapters throughout the US and Canada. Um, why does this matter to everybody? Well, number one, all trades have an, all industry trades have an association. Um, they are typically nonprofits as our RESA, which means that I don't own it, nobody owns it, the members own it basically, and that we serve uh, the members. Um, that's important because there's no conflicts of interest for the things that we do. When we put programs out and services, it's meant for the betterment of the industry, of our membership, um, and from feedback that we get directly from members for things that they need in their particular businesses. So everything is that we do is to advance professionalism and excellence in real estate staging, which ultimately means makes it a better working environment for stagers. Um, we also have educational opportunities. And we even accredit training providers. So education providers, over the last 20 years, the industry has really changed where it was kind of like the Wild West, everybody's doing their things. And through the uh, formation of RESA, we've been able to create standards. So we want standards of education. Several years ago, a so-called education provider jumped on scene and literally ripped off thousands of people. And it was one of those uh, time frames where it's like, I just couldn't sleep unless we did something about it. So we came up with the accreditation program where education providers can actually submit their materials to us. It is checks and balances. They need to meet our requirements and we verify that they do. And we even check their fiscal soundness. Um, there's nothing worse than uh, signing up for a class, flying across the country, going to that Ramada Inn or a Marriott and you walk in and nobody's there and they've gone out of business. So we check their fiscal soundness to be sure that um, they're legit businesses, insurance, everything. Just so you know that we, as an independent third party, neutral party, have reviewed their information and we can um, safely and easily accredit them. Uh, we also have agent outreach. Um, we have the largest network of MCE real estate staging instructor, instructors. And they teach a course called Staging to Sell What Every Agent Should Know. Now, this is not stagers teaching other agents how to stage. By far, it's complete opposite. By the time they're done uh, with a three-hour class, four hours in North Carolina, um, agents are going, uh, where do I write a check and how do I find somebody? Um, so it's a great program. Um, if anybody's interested in that, you can get back to me and I'm more than happy to jump on a Zoom call with you or a regular call with you and uh, talk about it. And then of course we have our local chapters. If you don't have a chapter in your area, reach out to uh, Gina and she can um, help you with information on how to get one going. It's always very uh, good thing to be able to have a chapter in your area and have that additional support. So here's some of the accredited providers that I spoke about. Um, these are the four that are on our website. So all of these have gone through the actual program. So if you are new to the industry, and I know there's been some discussion of people posting in Facebook groups, uh, not feeling welcome when a, a seasoned stager tells them go get training. 
I want you to consider something. They actually are caring very much about you uh, because you guys don't know what you don't know. Um, so when somebody, they will absolutely offer to answer a question, but also follow up with, you know, get some training. And that way you can get some solid um, information about the industry and to help answer a lot of questions and it'll fast track you. It'll be a lot easier to get a business up and running once you've had some core training. And then of course, at that point, you can get some mentoring, you can ask questions in Facebook groups, and you can even get additional continuing education in the form of webinars, such as the one that I'm doing today, or other professional development webinars that we offer. So for this one, this is a webinar, we're going to cover just a few questions that we got in, and then we can actually open this up for Q&A in the chat box. So we can do that as well. And there's also a Q&A box that you can type a question in as well. So the first question that we have is, I'm not necessarily new to staging, but I'm new to getting involved with RISA uh, events, webinars. How do you get the most out of my RISA membership and get more involved? I was actually shocked to get this um, question in today, but it is actually a good one. So number one um, thing I mentioned was chapters. So we have a chapter finder on our website. Um, it actually is the menu just says find a chapter. You can go there and you can sort and you can see where the different chapters are located. So that's one way that you can get involved. There's leadership positions that you can get involved in the local level uh, with your chapter. There's also state positions as well. And then participating, get, in, get involved, participate in our social media groups, uh, get to RisaCon. That is one thing that we cannot express enough that more people when we pull people uh, in the three to four year mark um, of their career, they say, I wish I would have gone in the beginning um, because it just, again, it fast tracks you, um, helps you get over a lot of hurdles. Again, you don't know what you don't know. So when you go there, it's a great opportunity to actually network with other stagers. The camaraderie um, is one of the biggest selling points of Risa in addition to the education that you get. But it's the really the ability to meet other stagers, other people that are going through exactly what you're going through either right now or they've already gone through it and then they can you know, lend um, some good words of wisdom to help you through it. So those are some important ways that you can get involved with RISA. Um, always call us too, give us a ring if there's something that you're needing, something that you think there's a resource that uh, we can provide that we're not, give us a call, talk to us about it. We'll either tell you why we don't do it or we'll say, hey, that's a great idea. We don't know why we didn't think about that and we'll get right on it. Um, so a lot of our resources that we uh, come up with at RISA are, the majority of them are actually because members have asked for something. So if you don't see it, ask and you just might get it. So is there any inventory or job management software systems you recommend for newbies to help track uh, in and out of inventory and costs? Uh, this is a great question. Stageforce is one that's um, in the industry right now. They have a lot of technology behind them a lot of really good uh, really good software management program for your inventory. It'll tell you where it's at. It'll tell you if you wanna query blue sofa, you can find where that blue sofa is located. You can create pick lists. Um, they've got scanners. Um, they've even got a scanner that you can just bring the scanner into the middle of the room and it spins around and then it picks up all the codes for all your inventory and logs it back into your system as you're picking them up and you're destaging. Um, so there's uh, that one and there's also my Darby. Um, so check those two out. They're under the resources uh, uh, area of the website and uh, try those out. There is another one that's coming on board and I so apologize. They've reached out to me recently asking about uh, potentially um, becoming a partner or exhibiting at RisaCon and I, their name just escapes me right now. Um, sorry, 53. So it is what it is. So hopefully maybe they'll come on and be a sponsor at RisaCon and we can launch them out. 
Next question is, what would be a typical accessory staging package include? Would art be part of it or should that be a separate package? I would say your accessory package should be one package. Um, it's accessories. Art's an accessory, all your little tchotchkes, your vases, uh, your soft goods, as far as your pillows and things like that. All that is an accessory rental package. Um, how you charge for it, how you position it, many different ways to do it. It's always a personal preference, but for sure it should be one actual package. Um, a lot of times people, if you're doing a vacant, you're just getting started, you might use someplace like a court furniture rental for your large pieces, but then your accessories, you need to be able to bill for those separately because you buy those on your own. So you can definitely uh, package those up. Um, what you charge, just kind of, you didn't ask the question, but I'll touch on a little bit. What typical people think is probably about 20% of retail for a rental fee for that. Um, that seems to be what's been trending over the last 20 years. I don't think it's changed much from that, um, but whatever it is, is the decision is that you just wanna be profitable with what it is you're doing. So whatever the price is, make sure that it's covering your costs and then summon enough to be able to make a profit. Okay, how do you make a proper contract and business insurance? Who covers occupied home staging consults and photography videography? Okay, so I'm not really sure I understand the question, so I'm gonna kind of dissect it to what I think it might be asking. Uh, proper contract and business insurance. Um, the contract, you need an attorney. I, this is not something, I cannot express enough that you need an attorney to do your contract. If you are going to be a professional stager, you have to have a professional contract. This separates the pros from the non-pros, and it is the fundamental foundation of your business. It is not there just to protect you. It is there to protect your client, and it is there so you do not have any type of disputes with said client. So it's very important to get your contract correct. The good news is business insurance, we work with Villanova. It used to be called Penex, um, and now they've been bought out by Villanova. And they have an amazing program called Risa Sure. I worked with the attorneys over there to develop this particular program. So it's kind of like, um, let's see, an attorney in a box type of kind of thing. But for a 95 bucks a year with them, uh, they have an attorney that if you get yourself in a little snafu, you have a client dispute, you need some legal advice, pick up, call old Joe, old Joe will walk you through it. Um, also, they have a contract that I help them put together as well that um, they will tweak to fit everybody's individual businesses. Um, so I don't recommend that you get contracts online. Um, that's something that I see, I've seen more people than not, they go out and they get a contract on the line, online or another stager gives them a contract and then they just use it. And then they really don't understand the uh, meanings of what it actually their contract is stating or they might try to change something and it doesn't fit for their state or their local area. So it is really important to get legal advice. I just can't express that enough. It's your professional business, the foundation, you need to start off on a really good foot. So uh, they will absolutely do this uh, for you in writing the contract. They will also review your contract. If you already have a contract and you want, um, maybe you pieced it together or um, you just need it updated, they will do that for you as well. Now, the second part of this question where it says, who covers occupied home staging, consultation, photography, and videography? I'm not sure if that's in reference to the proper contract and business insurance, um, but Villanova will be able to help you with your business insurance needs and your contracts. Um, so I'm gonna leave it at that. If I didn't get, get the full scope of that question, 
and um, you want to re-ask it in the box, go ahead and do that, and then I can circle back around to it. So here's a good question. I've been an interior designer for 37 years. How should I build a pricing model for staging that makes sustainable income? So it, this is um, this is there was a little bit more to the question, but that was the gist of it. You know, how do you hire the movers and make that sustainable? Like every little piece, um, which is clearly too much for me to be able to get into in the short time frame that I have here. The short answer is you need to charge more than what everything costs you. Um, 37 years of doing interior design work, I would imagine that you have probably got your pricing really, really down. You just need to transfer that type of mindset over to the staging. Staging can be extremely profitable. Um, I know that the, the follow-up part of this question was that um, didn't seem like it was sustainable. Um, it absolutely can be. We know people with 14,000 square foot warehouses and three moving trucks and nine employees with profit sharing and medical insurance. So this can absolutely be profitable. The keys are this. Number one, you have to build great relationships in the industry. And that's with stagers, through your association, through other stagers in your local area, develop great relationships with them. So you're always doing something positive. Number two, get shampoo, rinse, repeat type of clients. Find clients that want to use you over and over and over. And those are the ones that have the mindset that they want to do right by their client and that they want to sell more real estate. So there's real estate agents that are going to feed you business all the time. Make sure those are your A clients. And then don't bang your head against the wall against the people that don't get it. So that's the number one stumbling block that I think stagers get into is they keep saying, they, I get these phone calls of, you know, how do I convince this agent to stage? And I'm like, why? Why would you want to? Don't. Move them. Move them on down the line. Does not matter. Do not bang your head against the wall from people that are not receptive to what you're selling. It's just very frustrating to do it. It's a numbers game. Find the ones that do and then develop great relationships with them. Um, everything it is that you do, you want to be profitable. So anytime you are figuring out all of your costs and whatnot, you've got the built great relationships, charge what you're worth. I know stagers that can go and bid the same job and one stager will build, bid it at $4,000. The next one can build, bid it at 12 and the one at 12 will get it. And they get it because their mindset's different. The way they present is different. Their confidence level's different. So again, everything is about um, practice. It's just like riding a horse. When I first started riding horses, I was petrified. And I asked an old cowboy, I was talking to him. I said, I'm just afraid of, of everything and I'm afraid to go fast. And he says, you're not a bad rider. You just need more time in the saddle. So just with staging, it's the same thing. Um, it's not that anybody's bad at closing sales. You just need more time in the saddle and practicing and doing it. So keep getting out there and, and get that numbers game. So you get shampoo, rinse, repeat. And then in addition to that, don't just wait for the agents. Market to homeowners. Super easy to do. Um, I'll expand on just a minute because I wasn't asked the question, but it's good information. You can use any type of real estate site. Uh, I recommend Redfin and you can go and do a query and you can say, show me all the homes that are between 90 uh, days and 120 days on the market. It'll query them for you and you can do them by zip code, break them down to the neighborhoods that, that have homes that you want to work in and that the architectural style is something that you want to be part of. Get that. And then you can see that list and then you can look online and go through all the pictures. And if it's something, if you're into occupied, you want an occupied, look at an occupied listing. And if it's one that you know, it's not staged and you're like, I can help these people send them a one page flyer. It needs to be 
impeccable flyer. It should be professionally done if you're not capable of doing it. If you're using Microsoft Publisher, you're not capable of doing it. Find somebody, pay somebody some money to get it done. Use your best staging photos on it and have your, your um, speaking to their pain statement. Say, has your home been over on the market for more than 90 days with no offers? Call your staging company today. We can help. We just staged this home in your neighborhood and whatever the claim to fame is. It sold for X amount of days. It sold for X over list price. Whatever it is, put that story together in a one-page flyer. Have it be printed on quality paper and snail mail it to those people. So you're already going to have their address. You're going to know everything about them and send it to them. So again, speak to their pain point. Has it been on the market for more than 90 days? You know it has because you, you pulled that. You did that query. And when they get that and they open up, they're like, wow, we have been on the market for a long time. Look at this. Maybe we should look at this. And so go ahead and market to homeowners. So that's what I would recommend. Um, a couple things. Uh, to be able to build a sustainable staging business. And of course, making uh, just good financial decisions. Uh, don't, um, if you're, it's one thing to, to invest in your company. I'm all about investing, but you have to really make sure that you are very goal oriented and you develop your strategy in order to hit those goals before you're making real big financial investments. Otherwise, if you make a big financial investment and you don't have your roadmap on how to make it all happen, probably going to fall apart. So my two cents on that. So what's the best way to get a real estate agent's attention? Um, I'm going to say two things. One is what Barbara Corcoran told me years ago. The proof is in the pudding shell, she said. If stagers want to get the attention of real estate agents, show them your work. So take your iPad out and show them your work. Send them something tangible where they can see your work. Um, invite them to one of your listings that um, is on the market that you staged. But the proof is in the pudding is what she said. Um, other ways to get real estate agents, this is my advice. I recommend if you are a people person, and even if you're not, you can get away with it. Um, you can actually do this. It's not difficult to do, but get involved with your local association of realtors, your local women's council of realtors, if you have one in your area, and start going to their meetings. When I say go to their meetings, I mean infiltrate. And when you infiltrate, I also want you to be a little bit elusive. So I think what happens a lot of time is that um, stagers are so eager and so excited about their businesses to go and pitch their services to somebody, to real estate agents, that it may not be received super well. So remember this, remember when we were all dating and you had that one person and you really liked that person and they could not give you the time of day and you're like, that's the one, that's the one I have to have kind of the same thing in business, be a little bit elusive. So I recommend that you go to these meetings. They usually have a luncheon or a breakfast. It's a networking event with like 45 minutes of a speaker. When you sit down at the table, certainly make conversation with people, but don't do a sales pitch. That All that elevator speech, I think is garbage. I mean, there's a time for it, but I, will, I would not lead with that. Ask them what they do. Obviously, they're probably going to say most of them are real estate agents, but you might run across a title rep and that can open up an opportunity for some dialogue of saying, um, you know, I might like to work with you together. Why don't we do a workshop together? Um, and you can sponsor the workshop. They've got your clients so they can market it for you. They always want to do something for their clients. So if you have something you can do for them, like even teaching the staging to sell class, if you do that, you might meet a mortgage rep or a title person that can co-sponsor that for you. If they're real estate agents say, oh, great. You know, yeah, I love real estate. I'm in it too. And they'll say, well, what do you do? Is it I stage homes, or you can do just a little one-liner. I help real estate agents look like rock stars to their clients. And then stop. 
don't say anymore. So if they say something back, then you can have a little bit of a dialogue, but get off of you. Unless they're really into asking you fight rapid fire questions, divert the conversation to someplace else. And then 10 or 15 minutes before the end of the meeting, quietly excuse yourself and leave. And you just say, it was so nice to meet you. Sorry, I have to go. I've got a staging I have to get to. And then leave. Be a little bit elusive. And when you start doing this over time, what happens is that agents start to talk to each other. Everybody's always got a problem listing. They're always talking to somebody about something about one of their listings. One day it's going to be about, I've got a really hard listing to sell, or my sellers have just too much stuff in the house and I don't know how to address it. And they'll say, you know what? That stager, Sally Stager, she's been coming to our meetings. I think she's over there at that table. Go talk to her. Somebody's going to come over and talk to you. It's usually kind of the course of how that happens. So that's what I recommend is uh, don't be thirsty with real estate agents. Um, be very positive. Be very confident in what it is that you're doing. Do not lower your price. Let me tell you, these people are trained salespeople. They smell fear. If you, they come to you, I know stagers that have just lowered their price and they weren't even asked to, but they think they needed to in order to get the job. So don't ever do that because the second you do that, they've pulled your card and they will pull it every single time. So uh, don't seem too thirsty, be a little bit elusive, have a lot of confidence and uh, it will make you more interesting. And that will get real estate agents attention. That's what I recommend. So we're coming to the end of our session here. We will go ahead and open this up for some Q&A. We'll take any type of questions that you think I might be able to answer for you. Um, but in the meantime, as any questions are coming in, I just want to give a quick note that Resacon is coming. If you have not heard and you have not been online, you have not received any of our emails, July 21st to 23rd in Las Vegas. We have 21 educational sessions, networking event, awards banquet, um, the Las Vegas market tour. If you are new to buying wholesale and you are a Risa member, don't forget about the Risa buying group. So that's giving you additional discounts beyond wholesale savings, beyond the designer pricing that you can get at any market. Um, and that's included in your Risa membership. So if you're new and you want to go on a tour with us, it starts on that Sunday. So um, we go on tour with the market the first day that they, they um, open. All right. Hey, Yolanda. Hey, yo. And here's some of our buying uh, group vendors. So if you're looking to buy wholesale, Paragon, they've got great artwork. Moses got great stuff. Olex is a big favorite of ours. Um, they all really have a, a lot of um, a, a lot of everything. So definitely check them out as well. So again, I will go ahead and stay on. We still got plenty of times. So we did not have a ton of questions coming through today. So if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in this chat box. I don't see anything in the Q&A. So we'll go ahead and just use the chat box since there's only a few people on. And um, then if there's no questions, we'll let everybody get on with their day. This was short and sweet and to the point. Amber, sounds like we should get you to start a RISA chapter. Um, well, chapters are great. Obviously we have tons of more benefits um, in being a RISA member. Also wanted to go let me just go back up to my first slide here. Um, part of what we do, you know, if you've ever downloaded a consumer guide or our statistics or anything along those lines, um, we're able to be able to produce content like that for our members because we have because we have members. That's what the members dues go for. Um, so even if there's not a chapter in your area, well, we love them. We appreciate your membership. But boy, 
BC, my husband just said to me last night, maybe we should retire to British Columbia. Or he said Canada. I'm like, I'm not moving to Canada. Because really the only place I've been in Canada, your eyeballs freeze and they stick when you open them. And I'm not a fan of that. But he said BC. So I'm like, that I can might be able to wrap my brain around. I think they have a little milder winters, um, even if it snows in that area. It's definitely not like Toronto during Snowmageddon a few years ago. So Gina would be able to help you with the chapters as well. And yeah, we can jump on video too, if anybody wants to jump on more rainy like Washington. Yeah, that's what I thought. We live in North Carolina now, so it's very green. It's weird because in California, it doesn't rain much at all, but it certainly doesn't rain in the summertime. And we moved here in the summer and it, it rained like every day. And we were like, what the heck is happening? This is weird, but it's beautiful and we love it. Suggestions for those of you who love staging but hate the paperwork. Hire someone who loves paperwork and hates staging. Super easy. I can solve that one. Give me another one, Carrie. I got them all. That is really what it comes down to. Um, and I'll tell you, in anything, one of the best things that you can do for your own business is always be looking for things like that. Um, it's one of those things like for me, when I, I used to work for a home staging training company and I loved my job. I was the director of sales and marketing. So I did a lot of business coaching. I helped people start their businesses. And that was my jam. I love the business and I like the marketing, I like the sales. I can do the websites. I can answer all the questions. I know this SEO. That's what I'm into. And when I left that company, I thought, oh, of course, what am I going to do next? I'm going to go start a staging business. This makes perfect sense. And um, I did that and I had it for four months. And I absolutely, I just wanted to jump off a roof. It was horrible because I, I, I can stage, but it's not my jam. It's like, if I hang artwork on the wall, it's going to take me two or three tries. I'm going to put a hole in it. So I could not find somebody who loved to do the staging, but hated to do all the rest of the stuff. But if we can find that combination, it's super helpful. So when it comes time to the billing and you know, just all your invoicing and your QuickBooks and even the organization of your projects, having somebody that that is their skill set, you bring them on and that you do the staging and you can have a nice little partnership. And even with your own businesses, we even here at HQ often, at least twice a year, I think, um, say, is anybody doing something that they don't, they want to get rid of? Anybody not liking to do something? So we can, you know, switch, swap some jobs out sometimes. So if, I'm tired of doing something and somebody else wouldn't mind doing it, we can switch. Or if somebody else, it's not really their jam, not their forte, then you know it might be passed off to somebody that's better suited for it. Yeah, too busy to keep it up with it all. What I can tell you this is that the second that people learn how to delegate, your businesses will grow. I know it's very hard to wrap your brain around, but it is true. It's just like when you're in a down market, raise your prices 20%, people are like, what, what? Of course, yes, that's absolutely what you wanna do because you're gonna grow. Because when you, people come back on after a down market and they wanna start buying again, your prices will already be, they'll already be where they need to be an extra 20% and people just become accustomed to it. Um, so it is one of those things, we all cannot do it all. It's um, frustrating, you get burned out, um, things suffer that, you know, if it's not your quite your jam, something you don't like doing, it's just doesn't always get done correctly. Um, or to the, the way that you'd really want it to do perfectly. So when you have other people that have the other parts of your brain that you don't have together, it just makes one great team. 
Um, Amber wants to know about uh, buying and shipping to Canada. How do I get more information on that? So if you mean the buying group, um, the buying group, we have Canadian vendors. So there are a few on there. Renwell is one, Zuo is another one. They have a lot of stuff. Here's the problem in Canada, because in the United States, when I go out and I negotiate deals, they want to look at our combined buying power. So in, in Canada, the majority of our members actually live in Ontario. So there's anywhere, usually around 300 people. And out of that 300 people, not all 300 people buy wholesale. So that when it comes down to it, you might be looking at 40 to 50 people that are buying wholesale. That's not a lot of buying power. So it makes it really difficult for me to go into Canadian vendors and say, hey, treat us differently than um, everybody else with my 40 people buying power. I can't guarantee how much they're going to be spending with you, but give them an additional discount in a in past their wholesale pricing. Um, so that's the problem that I run into. But we do have some vendors in Canada um, that um, ship from some ship from the uh, might have a West Coast warehouse. Some don't. But the good news is you can still buy. You don't need our buying group to be able to buy wholesale. So um, I don't know the services, Amber, unfortunately, in the BC area because most everything's done in Ontario. But there they do have a furniture market there. And um, they've got lots of vendors there as well. But uh, you can place orders and they will ship. How do you help competitors? Oh, here's a good question. How do you handle competitors who are bad mouthing you to agents? Um, I'll make sure I really word this well. Here's what I do know is that when we take the high road, the only thing you control is you. And if you take the high road, you're never going to be wrong. It is very frustrating when you know that competitors are speaking negatively about you, actually doing negative marketing campaigns about you, or even posting information on their websites that absolutely references you. I get it. I definitely get it. The best advice is to always take the high road number one. Number two, reach out to that stager absolutely individually. And when I say reach out to them, I don't mean in a combative, um, argumentative, belligerent way. You really need to get within yourself and get settled. Don't do it when you're pissed and you're, and you're mad. Just sleep on it. Do whatever you need to do not to be angry when you do it. But do it from the sense of the fact that you want to be have an amicable relationship, you want to find a positive resolution to something. And always, always, when you call them, give them the benefit of the doubt. One thing that I do know is that people often don't give each other the benefit of the doubt. I am all about sisterhood. I run my side business as a boarding stables for horses. It's called Sisterhood Stables. I'm very much about women supporting other women. So I want people to always give the benefit of the doubt. So the conversation can go something along the lines like, hi, I wanted to introduce myself, assuming you don't know them. Um, wanted to reach out to you. Something was told to me today and it made me really uncomfortable. And I always want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So I thought the best way to do that was just to call you and to see if you will have an open, honest dialogue with me. You can be direct and you can be kind. It doesn't have to come out any sort of way negative. But that's how I would recommend it. Um, the crux of it is that most people, a lot of times it is a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's not. And what I will tell you is that 
nine times out of 10, that stager receiving the phone call is going to be so apologetic and so embarrassed and very contrite has been my experience. Um, that they, it's sometimes it's one of those things where they say, you know what, I, I just don't know what I was thinking. I was feeling insecure, any, whatever reason they're gonna give you. The other thing that I recommend that you handle it is that, you know, if they are contrite and they are apologetic, I always recommend showing them grace. Um, it's also, it's for them. It's also for you and for your soul. When people talk about forgiveness, it was one of the things I could never understand. I mean, it took literally until my forties to understand the forgiveness part, but just to be able to understand that forgiveness just means it's not what they did was okay. It just means that you don't walk around and with a chip on your shoulder and you're not bent about it all day long. So there's a little bit of that. All righty, we still got some more time. Anybody got any other questions? Go ahead and post them here. I'm going to scan real quick to see if I've missed anything. Thank you for posting the buying group. Oh, Shauna Lynn's uh, uh, session at RisaCon. How to dream your build build how to build your dream business with and without hiring people. That is going to be a good one. That lady is very very smart. Uh, she'll teach you how to scale your business. Alrighty, it doesn't look like any other questions are coming in. Joanna or Felicia, does that about wrap it up? I think I did see one. I'll read it out to you. It says, do you think it's completely uneth unethical to approach a realtor who you know uses a staging company already? Or is it fair game to offer another alternative or choice? How do you handle this? Good question. Um, it's, it's not necessarily that it is unethical per se, could be, could not be. Personally, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. Um, think of it like this. And say you're working with a real estate agent, would you want somebody else coming and doing that to you? I think most of us would say no. Some of us might say, oh, you know what? I'm confident in my relationship with my real estate agent. If you think you can pull them, try. But um, in reality, I personally would not do it. Um, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily, like I said, unethical. It's just, you just want some decorum about what you're doing. And just remember everything you put out in the world is gonna come back to you. So if you are bad mouthing other people, it's gonna come back. It's gonna bite you in the booty. Um, and if you do something like this, somebody's gonna come and they're gonna do it to you. Um, it might be done to you no matter what, but again, the only thing that we can control is ourselves. Um, is it standard to include pricing on marketing materials? Let's talk about pricing. So there's a couple different um, viewpoints on pricing and whether you have them on your marketing materials or your website. I don't personally mind stating pricing, like for consultations, here's our pricing for our consult, not a big deal. If you are a very experienced stager and you are turning out your business, I have no problem, and I think it's probably a good thing to be able to say on your website, pricing starts, fees start at a certain point, and just give a certain, a starting point. Fees start at $6,000. That way you avoid the tire kickers. But that's if you're in a position of where your business is a well-oiled machine. If you're not quite there yet, I strongly advise you not to put your pricing on your website. Here's why. Number one, if you're green, if you're new, and you're not where you need to be, if you have pricing on your website, 
it's likely that your fees are going to be lower than other people's because you probably don't have the confidence to set your fee structure correctly. If that is the case, you're losing out a lot of opportunity of people calling you. Also, when you're at the low price leader bracket of, of the, the staging uh, pricing, you're going to attract those types of people. So if you're really low in your fees, you're going to attract the people that can barely afford that. And when that happens, there's, those are the PETA clients that you don't want. So by not having your pricing on the website, it says call for a personal quote. People call you. Now you have an opportunity to, one, practice your sales pitch. Number two, have dialogue with people so you can really understand what's going on in your local market because you're talking to people in the local market. Three, when you practice that sales pitch and something works, great, use it again next time. Something doesn't work, fantastic. I'm not going to do that again. You lose out a lot of opportunities. And then you also, if you, uh, you won't be able to track how many calls does it take before you're able to book a job. So I always say, start tracking these things because that's data, that's information that you need to know. And for some reason, just the tracking it and just understanding that say, you know what, for every 10 people that I spoke to on the phone, I booked one consult or one job. Great, that's a starting point. Now raise your goal. Now you make a goal about it. And so then you play the game of saying, now I'm gonna improve my, my presentation over the phone. I'm gonna be more confident next time. I'm gonna say this a little bit differently. And then next time you get that 10 under your belt, you look and you say, I booked three jobs. I just booked three, three out of 10. And then you're excited and you're like, forget three, I want five, I want 50-50. And then you go to 50-50 and you just keep raising your goal. So you get a lot of self-confidence by doing it that way. Um, thank you, Felicia. So that's for the pricing. That's the way that I look at it. There are other people that say, hey man, just avoid the tire kickers. I disagree. So that's my two cents. It's always working differently for somebody. It might work for some, might work for others, but that's my reasoning behind it is because I want to see people get a lot of opportunity to do what we call in sales a talk off and then to be able to track uh, your results. All right, Felicia, Joanna, any other direct questions that came in that you want to post up for me? Thank you, Renee. Thank you for taking time out of your day today. I don't see any new ones. Okie dokie. You got them all, Shell. All right. Tamara, Sarah, Renee, Michelle, Margie, Carrie, Janetta, Jan, Erica, Emily, Colleen, Barbara, and Amber, Miss Mary Ann. I am out today, and I'm sure you are all too young to know who Miss Mary Ann is, but Google her because it was funny. Until next time, get to RisaCon. If you need any of us at HQ, please reach out. It is really our pleasure to serve our members. Uh, we have a great team. And Joanna and Felicia, thank you for, so much for the support today. And all have a wonderful evening. Until next time, happy staging.